people of this nation have spoken. They've delivered us a clear victory, a convincing victory, a victory for we the people. We've won with the most votes ever cast on presidential ticket in the history of the nation. 74 million. What I must admit has surprised me. Tonight, we're seeing all over this nation, all cities and all parts of the country, indeed across the world, an outpouring of joy, of hope, renewed faith, and tomorrow, bring a better day. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks very much for tuning in. That, of course, was President-elect Joe Biden on Saturday talking about the end of the 2020 election, which seemed to have lasted an entire year for some of us, uh, and finally was called on Saturday after there were enough votes counted to determine that Joe Biden would be the 46th president of the United States. And his running mate, Senator Kamala Harris, would make history as the first black woman, the first South Asian American woman, and the first daughter of immigrants to be elected vice president of the United States. During her speech Saturday night, Harris talked about her own mother and what this moment signifies to the millions of mothers and daughters and women and girls across the nation. And to the woman most responsible for my presence here today, my mother, Shamala Gopalan Harris, who is always in our hearts. Uh, when she came here from India at the age of 19, she maybe um, didn't quite imagine this moment. But she believed so deeply in an America where a moment like this is possible. And so I am thinking about her and about the generations of women, black women, Asian, white, Latina, Native American women, who throughout our nation's history have paved the way for this moment tonight. Now, there were so many things going on in the 2020 presidential election that the milestone of Harris's candidacy and, of course, the fact that she will now serve as the vice president, I think, is something that got a little lost in all of the discussion and the debate and certainly in the argument of the last few days as the president and his supporters now say they would like to overturn the results of this election in court. We're going to revisit some of the other clips of what Biden and Harris had to say over the weekend throughout the show today as we dig into this moment and talk about where we go from here. But to start, I want to welcome two women we've had on the show before back to Detroit today. Dream Hampton is a filmmaker and writer and native Detroiter. Dream, welcome back to Detroit today. Thank you. So much. Hi, Yes, it's great to have you here. And also with us is Olivia Lewis. She is a reporter and editor with Bridge Detroit. Olivia, welcome back to Detroit today. Okay, we've got Olivia, but we need to get her. We need to get her volume working. All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with you, Dream. 
you heard those clips. Uh, tell us how you are feeling today about the end of the election and, as I said, the milestone of Kamala Harris becoming the first woman, the first black woman, the first Southeast Asian uh, American woman to, to be the vice president. I am like so many Americans, like the majority of Americans, I feel relieved, right? <laughs> um, I Someone tweeted that they can't wait to not have to check the news every 10 minutes <laughs> for some new chaotic grenade um, that this administration, the present administration, has thrown into the game. So I, I'm looking forward to just dull incompetence. Uh, I mean, dull confidence. <laughs> I'm looking forward um, to things just running the way they were. Of course, the way they were was never good enough. So we're also looking forward as people who are organizers, people who are doing cultural work, of uh, pushing, pushing the president administration um, to be responsive to its base. Um, I doubt that we will ever have the kind of responsiveness uh, to our base. Uh, we're already, you know, we have a president who ran on being, a, a president-elect who ran on being a unifier, fire, reaching across a very hostile aisle, um, where, you know, before we had, well, presently we have an administration that is doubling down to the point that even this relief is kind of, you know, tempered by the fact that there's this contest um, to the results that is remarkable yeah. in that, you know, it is supported either by the silent complicity of Senate Republicans and congressional, the entire Repub Republican Congress, or, I mean, and, and the base. I mean, we, I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about media in this moment. I'm sure you are too. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, but, it, relief is one of the feelings. I'm yeah, thinking. no, I think that's a pr that's a pretty common feeling that that people are having is is relief uh, relief that it's that just the the last week is over is is one of the things. I mean, the stress of of the election itself and the counting of votes and of arguing over the counting of votes, I think, has has given a lot of people quite a bit of of anxiety. Uh, as I said in the open, though, I I feel like we we kind of lost uh, some of the focus on Kamala Harris and her candidacy in the rest of what was going on in, in, in 2020. And, and I, you know, I, I was sitting there Saturday watching her speak and thinking, thinking all of a sudden about the weight of that moment that this African-American and South Asian-American woman it was standing on the stage in a white suit uh, talking about being the vice president of the United States. I mean, that's a huge, huge barrier uh, to, to, to get over. And, and I think we have just begun maybe to, to really understand and realize uh, how big a deal that is, Dream. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. I expect to be annoyed. I don't know that all your listeners will understand this reference, but I expect <laughs> to be annoyed by Howard University um, <laughs> alum and current population. They have a very annoying chance. Um, <laughs> because she is she is a, an alum of that university, right? <laughs> university for sure. Yeah. I, I thought about um, the Detroit suburbs. I thought about 
um, how, um, you know, one in, in London, for instance, is called Asian, of course, uh, we say Indian, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but she's very reflective of so many of our um, northern suburbs, um, and, and that's a growing population. By some counts, the fastest growing population. Um, my my grand my great grandfather was a Jamaican immigrant. I think mm. I think about you know so much when it comes to Kamala. Um, I think that the kind of early um, criticisms of her record as a prosecutor are legitimate and um, are still to be uh, pushed on as we talk about things like reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, reforming the work that. Uh, that Biden had a lot to do with as a senator in terms of the crime bills that affect us still, um, those early crime bills from the 90s, uh, that, that whose legacy we're still dealing with. And so, you know, I, but I look forward to being able to call this administration to the mat. You know, what we had, what we have currently is is an administration that could, could not care less. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I don't think that Kamala is unmovable on those issues, and and I look forward to like engaging her and pushing her on those issues beyond identity. But the identity piece is huge. I mean, yes, it was amazing not only to see her standing there in her white suit with her family, <laughs> but also to see uh, Maya Rudolph get it together <laughs> with the white suit. Just <laughs> just Saturday two hours night. later, right? It was <laughs> amazing. Kudos to that costume department. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they had her perfectly dressed, right? That's right. Yes. Um, Olivia and Lewis. Puts, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was go ahead. Say, this puts her that much closer to the actual, you know, office. It, it, um, it really does. I mean, closer maybe than than almost anyone else who has been elected on a ticket. Uh, I mean, given that Joe Biden is is 78 years old and unlikely to seek a second term, I think she is the the kind of logical front runner for for the nomination at least at this point i mean we've got 4 years before you have to think about that but certainly it puts her in an incredible position to be able to 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 do that in 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 not that long uh, of a time. Uh, Olivia Lewis I want to get you involved in the conversation here. Uh, I, I first want to listen to a clip of Kamala Harris acknowledging the powerful message that this moment sent to young people. Let's listen to what she said. But while I may be the first woman in this office, I will not be the last. Because every little girl watching tonight sees that this is a country of possibilities. And to the children of our country, Regardless of your gender, our country has sent you a clear message. Dream with ambition, lead with conviction, and see yourselves in a way that others may not, simply because they've never seen it before. Uh, Olivia, you spent much of last week uh, downtown at uh, the TCF Center formerly Kobo here in Detroit, watching the vote count, watching the interaction over the vote count. Um, uh, tell us tell us about your week, uh, and then tell us what this, uh, what this says about young people, what this says about young Detroiters uh, and their engagement in, uh, in this election. 
Yeah. Um, well, first, thanks for having me on the show. I'm sorry mm-hmm. I had a couple of issues uh, getting into the call. But, okay. you know, last week was actually emotionally exhausting. Like the ups and downs of the week, just waiting for uh, results, uh, waiting for all of the absentee ballots to come in, waiting for um, the final count. Like there was just a lot happening. And so, just from watching all of the diligent work that was happening at the TCF Center to uh, by the end of the week seeing protests happening, like it was really crazy, but it was also really incredible to see such a high turnout, to see so many people come out and support this election. Um, it was just amazing to see the support that people were putting forward to this election and to make sure that democracy prevailed and so i think that's something that's really important and i i don't think that even i like as a as a teenager the first time i was voting at age 18 that i even understood the full extent of like how important democracy is and um even though our systems are not perfect uh there's a lot to it and so much work that goes into this that i think detroiters really really stood up this year and put their best foot forward and it shows. Mm. Uh, as I said, you were, you were down at TCF for, for much of the week and had a front row seat to the protests that uh, developed there by outsiders from the city of Detroit who came down to try to stop the, the, the vote count. Most of them Republicans, most of them uh, white people, uh, protesting black votes uh, in in this in the nation's blackest city. Give us a sense of what that interaction was like when these protesters showed up, and and uh, not only the, the 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 people who were managing the vote counting, but the other folks who were there helping with the counting had to had to kind of confront that. Yeah, and so I. You know, it was something that I actually couldn't believe was happening as it was happening. And so um, earlier in the week, there were a lot of people at TCF. And so there are a lot of people challenging votes um, and talking to um, people who were count poll, poll volunteers who were there counting votes. And so you have challengers standing over people who are literally saying, hey, like, I think we need to recheck this. Um, and so that in itself creates a a certain level, a dynamic that uh, can be very frustrating in and of itself. Um, but then to see it go on where they're talking about voter suppression and intimidation, um, these are just different levels of disenfranchisement that we've been seeing since uh, <laughs> since the 1800s in America. Like this is this goes so far back that it's just a different way of doing a literacy test and poll taxes. Like this is, it's just recurring themes of where you're seeing black people who are trying to participate in a democracy and who are being shut out or who are uh, being threatened or um, spoken down to. It's just recurring year after year after year. And consistently you have seen black people, specifically black women, who have continued to do this work over time. And so just seeing that happen at TCF last week was really um, frustrating, but also it was really beautiful, like Wood said, who um, was there to stop people 
because and then I just want to highlight how important that is, because when you have a room full of black people who are trying to do the work and then are being stopped by another group of people who aren't even from this area. And it's, it's really incredible to see how many people showed up from other spaces because they didn't show up in Ann Arbor. They didn't show up in Lansing. They didn't show up in Grand Rapids, which also had huge turnouts for uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And so to see them show up in Detroit specifically, I think that really points out to the racism that still persists here in America. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dream, uh, I heard you uh, jumping in there. Yeah, I'm sorry, though. It's okay. <laughs> step on you, Olivia. I was, I was furious in just hearing Olivia recount, you know, what happened. I was watching it um, online and, and, you know, on social media, but that was kind of the point, wasn't it? It was to create these optics to create these moments. And as someone who, like Stephen, you know, grew up in Detroit in the 80s um, and and left in the 90s, you know, we've contended with the myth of black incompetence all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that is that when you get granular about this particular kind of racism, what they're saying. And, and by the way, my, the last count is that Biden won Michigan by 146,123. You know, so this isn't a contested election. <laughs> right. not, it, you, you know, <laughs> that's Trump not won close. Michigan. Yeah. Exactly. Trump won Michigan by less than 11,000 votes. So we've talked about how this um, the current president doesn't use a, a, a dog whistle. He uses a bullhorn. <laughs> so Detroit and Philadelphia um, like the word urban, you know, was in the 90s. Are, are absolutely signifiers for black, um, and, and and so yes, that we the the idea is that we can't count that these essential workers, by the way, who've gotten us through this year, which are black women mm-hmm. who showed up in in spaces like your Sam's Club and your and your your you know your big box stores and your grocery stores and done the work and allowed you to pretend as if COVID wasn't happening, which is what so much of Michigan was doing. I mean, it just, it, 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 it's frustrating. And it also it really, I mean, for those of us who are monitoring like darker spaces on the web, you know, um, it actually is what, you know, prevents me from having, feeling complete relief around this election. Yeah. Because we know that the threat of political violence, which went from being the scary thing in my head to something that I was watching, like, cable news <laughs> reporters <laughs> say back to me, um, in the Atlantic and the New Yorker, who wrote that incredible piece about um, militias here here in Michigan. And, and the threat of political violence was never about a Biden win, it, I mean, about a Trump win. It was about a Biden win that Trump com- convinced his base was stolen. Yeah, yeah. And so th- that is where we are on this Monday. That's where we are in this moment. We have not, like, cleared that hurdle in terms of, you know, people actually believing with their full selves that this election was stolen. And it begins with, as Olivia said, you know, these awful moments in Philadelphia, in Detroit, um, where outsiders, where white folks came and stood over black people, also black women, um, as if we didn't know how to do our job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, OK, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. 
We are going to continue our conversation with Olivia Lewis and Dream Hampton about the election, the finality of the election, and kind of where we go from here, what's next. We also want to hear from you. How are you feeling about the end of election 2020? Did you celebrate over the weekend? Are you allowing yourself to really believe that this is over? Are you giving yourself a little space to relax after all the anxiety of last week? Or does this all still feel kind of uncertain to you? What are you hoping is the biggest change that comes with a Biden presidency in January? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, Thanks very much for joining in. My guests are Dream Hampton, a filmmaker and writer, also a native Detroiter. And also with us is Olivia Lewis, who is a reporter and editor with Bridge Detroit. We're talking about the end of election 2020 and what comes next, the milestones that were reached with this election, uh, the election of the first African-American woman, the first woman of South Asian or Indian descent, uh, the first child of immigrants elected to be the vice president of the United States. Uh, Also, what we expect from a policy perspective out of the Biden administration. How different will it be from the Trump administration? Uh, And will the Trump supporters and Trump himself ever accept the outcome of this election. Uh, Today, for certain, we will start to see legal action taken in several states against the vote counts uh, that happened last week. Uh, Is that something that will go on for an extended period of time and maybe result in half the country not accepting the idea that Donald Trump actually lost this election? We would like to hear from you as well. This hour, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us how you are feeling about this uh, about this election. Tell us what you're expecting going forward. Tell us about this milestone, this milestone of Kamala Harris being elected the vice president of the United States. How does that make you feel? would love to hear from women uh, about that. Uh, also, would love to hear from folks who support Donald Trump. Uh, and how you're feeling about how things are going. Do you feel like uh, the election uh, is a final sort of verdict on his presidency, or do you feel like he does, that somehow this was stolen? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's start with Margie in Ferndale. Margie, welcome to Detroit Today. Um, So I watched a Van Jones um, TED Talk where he very clearly spelled out how Trump still has a path to stay in the White House. And Trump 
is going down that path. And so I'm wondering why people aren't talking about that. And they're continuing talk, to talk about um, President-elect Biden hmm. um, and his transition when we're not, we're not over. We're, this is not over. So, uh, you know, I did not see that TED Talk. Can you give me some idea of what, uh, sure. what Van Jones talked sure. about there? So, yeah, go ahead. so if, if I think December 5th is, uh, you know, one of the dates, um, if, if the Electoral College, I think they meet then, if they do not um, vote Biden in, mm-hmm. then it, go, it can go all the way to the House of Representatives, right. at which point, a, a, actually, the Republican states can, their legislatures can um, appoint more electorates and then when it gets to the House of Representatives, by delegation, not by delegate. Right. It's by can, yeah. It's by e- each delegation gets a vote. It's not that each right. representative. Right. And so they can, Trump can still remain in the White House, and that is the path he's going on. And I, I don't. I would like people to talk about that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and let the public know that this can still happen. Um, Trump is also. Um, Continuing on with his rallies, and he is inciting, he will incite his base in these rallies, um, continue to spread falsehoods about our democratic process for voting, and incite his his base, and people need to be talking about that, too. I am so excited to have Biden in the White House. I want to talk about him, his policies cabinet choices on and on and on right but you see you're a little nervous or anxious about about getting there i i I hear you margie i I appreciate the call uh and the comments i mean i would say look the uh, first of all the 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 president does have some things he can do to try to at least delay uh, the finality of of this i'm a little dubious of the legal challenges that he plans to mount to to the election, just because uh, a the margins aren't aren't close. He can ask for recounts; that's his right. Uh, but but the, these margins are outside really the the, the realm where you see a, a difference in in counting, and and he he can also push this legislative issue. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I, it's not that I'm not worried. It's not that I'm brushing it off, but I, I guess I don't have the same level of anxiety that, that you do about this. I think that there is, uh, enough of sort of institutional respect for, for voting and the outcome of voting across uh, the political aisle to, to kind of prevent that from happening. But, but, but you never know. And, and you're not, you're not wrong that we should be concerned about that. And, and on top of it, Dreamhampton, I wonder what you make of the possibility that uh, this isn't over and that, uh, that a different outcome perhaps might be greeting us on uh, January 20th. Well, like you, Stephen, I'm not con- as concerned. I do understand, you know, um, where Margie's coming from, this kind of anxiety around the Republicans' um, longstanding, you know, willingness, but with this president, like it has doubled down to um, just completely play outside of any rules or obviously decorum. We can think about decorum, but the, but the second part of of Margie's fear is is kind of what I invoked, and it's what Olivia 
was, was you know, um, talking about mm-hmm. earlier, you know, also at the TCF Center, which is, you know, and what in, in Michigan, this isn't, you know, we're not pulling this out of the sky. Like, you know, we, the Michigan militia birthed, you know, obviously it's not as active as it once was, but it birthed this notion. And now there are thousands. Of, of you know it is not as strong and now there are thousands in its place right mm-hmm. um obviously everything that happened with, with governor whitmer is is very fresh on on folks mind when i look at the map of of michigan and and how michigan voted i'm reminded that you know i i vacation i, I live in a beautiful state with incredible lakes and i don't explore it the way that i do because quite frankly i don't feel safe in all of michigan right and and that's been you know that's a whole nother show to talk about some other day um about our state but you know across the country you know we have 400 million registered guns in america and things are hot. And, and as to this question of him continuing with these rallies, that's about him turning up the temperature. I mean, we've never seen anything like this man. I was watching Skip Gates, you know, special on the Reconstruction and looking at the mid, you know, 19th century yesterday. Mm-hmm. And even those conversations with all of the violence, all of the racial violence, with the rise of the Klan, those conversations on a congressional level were elevated compared to what we have now. Yep. Like we are just in in at the in the basement, you know, when it comes to, you know, agreeing on facts. Something that Obama talked about earlier. I was on Twitter this weekend and watched people leave that platform to go to Parler, um, a website, you know, a, a, a social app for people who've been deplatformed and who, you know, want to say they're racist and anti-Semitic and violent things without the censure that, you know, Twitter and Facebook are finally um, implementing. So, yes, of course, all of these things have to be monitored. Um, and I'm actually, and I, I don't want to say this because we're on the phone, to, we're on this, on this call to, like, celebrate <laughs> Kamala, but I'm more concerned about her safety, at, quite frankly, than I was about... Obama. Obama, so. sure. You know that's a real that's a real concern. Uh, Olivia, again, you were you were down at TCF last week as as these protesters were showing up to to quote unquote stop the vote. Uh, give us a sense of the intensity of their of their emotions and this this idea that Margie raises of of them perhaps being the kind of of problem with with accepting the results of the election and moving on. Uh, this was a, this was a pretty large crowd. They were pretty raucous. Uh, give us a sense of, of your, your takeaway from, from what they were saying and doing. Yeah. Well, so I was there actually um, in the late, late evening hours. And so I didn't see the, the full extent of the, um, this mob that showed up to TCF on Wednesday. I, I was there more during like the wee hours of Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, uh, right before it happened. Um, but my colleagues at British Detroit were there and we have tons of video and audio from what was happening. And, you know, I've watched the videos over and over and I am just so I don't. I don't want to say I'm shocked, but I. Um, I am. I am. I am shocked to see how people were banging on windows mm-hmm. and screaming to stop a vote count, 
thinking that they were being suppressed. And like I, I have thought about it so much that I can't, I can't make it make any sense in my mind. Mm. I really can't. Um, that you are at literally asking, telling someone to stop counting votes. Um, it just is wild to me. Yeah. It is flat out wild. Yeah. Um, and so hearing that and then recognizing that the people that they were yelling at were so many black and brown people in Detroit who were doing the right thing, who were doing their job, who were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, and so just to see that and to hear it um, is just very frustrating. And it is a whole other level of voter intimidation um, that I haven't seen uh, in person before. Mm. So it, it's just, it's wild to me. And so I'm, I'm really proud uh, of the people who were doing the work uh, and continue to count ballots. And so we have, we actually have a few stories this week at Bridge Detroit that are going to be coming out about the experience of the people who were there doing that work, because those are the voices that have not been uplifted yet. Yeah. And so we keep hearing about, oh, this protest and, I keep hearing about these people who came into Detroit to cause a scene, an intentional scene. Um, but we haven't heard enough about the people who were doing the work, who were there for hours and hours on in counting votes. And so I, I really want to uplift them and their voices and, and just point out how important that is. Because, again, we're drowning out the voices of the people who are doing this work of black and brown people. Like, this is, it's incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should also note that uh, I think for people who are who are maybe uncertain about about the the implications of this kind of behavior and uh, the way in which uh, it, it has an effect on on everything, really, um, th- that we're talking about here. I mean, imagine if a group of African-Americans, if a group of African-American men, for instance, uh, decided to get together and go out to Birmingham or to Gross Point, where they were counting votes, and said, "You know, we want to come in there and and disrupt this, and we're banging on the windows." Imagine if that group of African American men, many of them, were armed, uh, as a lot of these people who came down to TCF last week were. Imagine the words that people would have used to describe that group. What kinds of things would they have been called? Uh, you know, the, the, this is uh, this is one of the things that that always grates on me is that uh, that when when one group of people does things, if they're white, uh, it, it gets it gets described in different terms than uh, if African Americans were to do the same thing. And and we saw some of that last week. Bridge Detroit, of course, was one of the publications that described this as a mob, which it was. That's uh, maybe even a polite term for what uh, what was going on down there. But but I, it's one of the things that I think we have to be truthful about and somewhat vigilant about uh, going forward as, uh, as we continue to count the votes and continue to, to reach finality in this, uh, in this election. Uh, okay, I want to take one more quick call here before we have to break. Ed in Detroit, welcome to the show. Uh, great conversation, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to live in a time when our country twice uh, has made history. We 
We elected the first African-American president, and we've now elected a woman of South Asian and Caribbean African uh, descent to the office of vice president. This weekend, I ran into two people. I, I learned subsequently they'd both been in the crowd at TCF who were trying to persuade me that Biden and Harris had not won their offices. And I patiently listened to them. After about five minutes, I pointed out to them that four years ago at this exact time, radio and television and newspaper reporters predicted that Donald Trump had won the presidency. Mm -hmm. No state had yet had an official canvassed vote count yet, and the Electoral College had yet to meet. Right. But everyone in the country accepted that unofficial result that the press reported as it as the likely and expected outcome of the election. Well, and and a lot of that a Ed, position today than we were then. Yeah, a lot of it Ed had to do with the candidates the last time. I mean, Hillary Clinton didn't spend a lot of time casting doubt on the outcome. She pretty quickly said, "Look, there aren't enough votes. We didn't we didn't get enough votes. He he is going to be the next president." I mean, it has everything to do with the participants, and and you know, uh, we have this conversation on the show. Quite a bit, where uh, we talk about the, the, you know, the republic is is a bargain that that we all agree to go along with, and there, you know, the rules don't get enforced by a referee uh, on the outside. We we count on everybody to to value the 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 the, the system we have. More than they value their own their own political interest, uh, and Hillary Clinton had to say, "Hey, look, I lost the election. I'm disappointed about it, but that's the way it goes." We have somebody in this case who is refusing to do that, and that has everything to do with why things look different and why people are behaving differently. Uh, if if he were behaving differently, I am convinced uh, that that. Uh, that it wouldn't look like this. Um, okay, uh, I want to thank Dream Hampton and Olivia Lewis for being here with us on Detroit Today. It is always great to have uh, you both here. Dream, uh, great to have you with us. Thanks very much. Thank you, thank you. Also, thank Olivia, you, Olivia Lewis. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation about the election. We're going to talk with Chad Livengood, a senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business, about President Trump, the way he has been trolling our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, and how that may have backfired in last week's election. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.